I think we're drawn to beauty because scripture says we are created by God for God. And we're image bearers, right? So our desire for beauty, I think it's meant to send us to what is true and good and truly beautiful, which is God himself. Bringing that into our home, not in a self-serving way, but in a God-honoring, others-serving way, it's just, it's redeeming the creation. And it's, it's a way of foreshadowing the day when he redeems all things, right? Everything's reconciled and everything's restored and made new. Welcome to Always Invited, a podcast by the Art of Hospitality Co. I'm your host, Kenzie Peters. And I'm your other host, Bella Ponce. We're just two friends with a passion for making people feel valued and empowering them to do the same. Hospitality has become a lost art form in our generation, and it's time we reclaim it for what it was truly designed to be. Learn and grow with us as we talk about the purpose, posture, and practice of biblical hospitality alongside other women who inspire and model a lifestyle of service. So, come on in, pull up a chair, and remember, you're always invited. Welcome back to the Always Invited Podcast Season 2. We are so excited to continue to learn and grow with you in the pursuit of hospitality and sacrificial service. Yes, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you're new and you haven't had a chance to listen to our previous episodes from season one, we want to say hello and thank you for tuning into the first episode of season two. This is a space where we talk about all things hospitality through the lens of the gospel. We have seen and believe that hospitality is a lost art in our generation and we're here to reclaim its original design. Our desire for you is to be equipped, encouraged, and challenged to create space where people feel valued. Absolutely. And in season two, our goal is to deepen the conversation with more of the practical side and the how-tos of hospitality so that you can implement them in your daily rhythms of life. So what a better way to start off season two with a conversation around practical ways to design a space that is hospitable and inviting. We only found it fitting to ask an interior designer and Kenzie's mom, the queen herself, Mrs. <laughs> Rebecca Peters. <laughs> Woo! Welcome. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So glad you have willingly joined us. We didn't just force her because she's my mom. She actually wanted to do this. Um, but yes, many of you probably know my mom or have heard amazing things about her if you don't know her. Um, and I'm biased, but also it's true. I, I have to start off with saying that this project, The Art of Hospitality, which started back in spring of 2023, no, started back in fall of 2022, I have realized over the course of that time that my mom has been the biggest inspiration for this project mainly because of how I grew up um, in her home, obviously, and always being around an environment um, that fostered hospitality. And she just has always been so great at inviting people into our home on a weekly basis, Um, whether it's family or friends or strangers or people from church or my own friends growing up. She's always had an open door and just created a space in our home that's very hospitable and warm and welcoming to people. Um, I just, over the years, have like 
anytime new friends or you know friends come over and they're like, oh my gosh, your house is so cute, <laughs> and I'm I like, oh yeah, it is, and I just like take that for granted because. She's an interior designer, and so she's used her skill sets to create a space that's not only beautiful, but functional for our little family and for whoever else can be a part of our household by coming through our doors and spending time in here. Um, and I remember also growing up, I would always ask, or not always, I a few times asked my mom, I was like, why is our house so small compared to all my <laughs> friends? Like, why don't we have a playroom or a game room or... But mind, no. mind you, yeah, mind you, I'm an only child, so we really did not need more space than we have. And she would always, you know, graciously respond like, well, we just have enough space for you, me, and dad, and it's honestly easier to take care of that way. But truly, it's, it's sweet and special to have a small space and see how much of an impact or how far that space can go because of her intentional um, design of it and also her intentional invitation to people you can really do so much in a small space so I've I mean if you ever sell this house one day, it's gonna be very tragic <laughs> because I have so many memories and so much attachment here but mainly it's because of how you and dad have created it and fostered it over the years so that's a little context. Mm-hmm. Bella, what's your context of my mom? <sighs> <laughs> I could go on and on about Mrs. Peters, a.k.a. the Queen. First of all, can we just address why I call you the Queen? Uh, sure, please. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, huh? Ever since I met Mrs. Peters, I've just been blown away by her hospitality and the way that she has been the mother to me being away from home and in college and just the home-cooked meals, the amount of times that I spent the night here, she has just treated me like royalty, therefore I see her as royalty. Oh, is and that why? <laughs> only found it fitting to call her the queen because she is my spiritual mother, my actual mother, everything that encompasses being a mother. <laughs> but not replacing your mother. Not replacing my mom. Oh, no. I love my birth giver. <laughs> but she has just been a gem and... I just get emotional every time I think about her. So Aww. she's amazing, and she deserves to be treated like royalty. <laughs> so therefore, she is the queen. Yes. Wow, that's too much to process. <laughs> you for should me. just bring us Thank everywhere you. with you. <laughs> I will. Actually, I told you that uh, the season of your college life being ended, it, this how this part of hospitality being a chapter closed is really sad for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, life is changing and it's a good thing. It's all good. God will use us some other ways, but yeah, it was very sweet, sweet time. Yes. So. Many friends have been blessed by your hospitality. Yeah. And Seriously. Vi- vice versa. Thanks for letting us do it. Oh yes. So let's jump into mm-hmm the questions we have for you. Um, We could talk for hours, I'm sure, but we're gonna try to focus it in on your expertise and specialty of interior design. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, our home, my home, um, has always just been a safe place for me because there's many reasons, but truly, I mean, visual beauty is a huge part of how we enjoy our environment and how we can actually function and live as human beings. So we just want to get pick your brain about your career path of that 
field and how you see beauty and why it's important. So without further ado, let's just get into the first question. Can you share a bit about what you do as an interior designer and how you found your passion for designing spaces and homes that are both beautiful and functional? Hmm. Well, I don't know I, if you knew this, but I didn't start out this way um, right out of design school. But some 27 years later, about 90% of my business now entails completely gutting and remodeling kitchens and baths. And I discovered that I love, love, love this process of um, listening to the client and determine um, why a space doesn't functionally work, which they don't always understand why that is. And then the heavy lifting on the project, so to speak, is on the front end, designing and creating a, a new layout, new features that will functionally and hospitably work for how the family lives, as well as how they host other people. And so the work is ultimately a team effort, sometimes involving an architect, a structural engineer, always a contractor, lots of tradespeople. But in any case, this, um, you know, just developing a wise and functional design. Um, it includes selecting product materials and finishes that meet the client's needs. And then side perk is I love trying to minimize the stress mm -hmm. for the client during the construction until we reach its hopefully happy conclusion. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I love the process. I love solving problems mm -hmm. for people. Yeah. So. That's really cool. So in the midst of all this, in your passion and career that you love so dearly, what is your underlying goal and purpose behind each project and client? Uh, yes, well, the goal is to see lives changed in very practical ways, both through my work and then also through developing relationships mm -hmm. with my clients. Um, honestly, in the early years, I struggled with being a designer because I knew that the work that I am producing is temporal, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Everything ages in time, things ultimately wear out, or I've even worked on very lengthy construction projects um, only to see an entirely ecstatic client so happy that ironically, they would then sell the home for maximum <laughs> dollar and I would never see it again. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So, yeah, um, that's, um, it was just sad, like, wow, okay, well, I'll never see that again. But um, the inner struggle of actually several years was kind of resolved as the Lord helped me see and experience the joy um, that being a designer is being an image bearer mm. of God. After all, he's the perfect creator, designer. And when we believe the truth of the gospel and our desperate need for rescue from sin and self, then he as master craftsman comes in, he moves in, and he's after working real change. And his raw materials are, as you often heard at CBU and your creative arts studies, is beauty, goodness, and truth, mm -hmm. right? That's what he's working. And so sometimes when a, a client first calls me, they're seeking they think they're seeking cosmetic changes to their home when in reality there are toxic things living in their walls hmm. that present danger to their own health and safety. Um, when they begin a project, their desire may be, um, it, actually, <laughs> it actually reflects the human heart condition. We, we want 
maximum result, right? Um, without a lot of painful cost, without um, realizing it takes an arduous community effort and without, um, we don't really want to live in an uncomfortable mess in the process of change. Mm -hmm. Kind of lived that this summer when we did some <laughs> remodeling, but each project reminds me of what God wants us to do in us through his life-changing gospel. And he's always exposing uh, sin that we don't even know is hidden. And he works to transform us into new people through his building plan, right? Which includes his word, his spirit. It's this arduous community effort in the church. It's a long-term project and we're undergoing a mess. There's discomfort. There's the, the cost of turning from self and letting um, his grace just remove the toxicity mm -hmm. and build um, a new thing in us. It's not always enjoyable, but in the end, our surrender to his gracious work just leads to joy and fruitfulness and Christ's life. So for me, it's, um, I just, it's such a parallel for the spiritual life. And so whether my clients know the Lord, that's my driving, mm -hmm. um, force and so to try to impact that and let it you know speak to me and to them in the process is kind of my purpose mm -hmm. goal. so do you feel like the deeper that you've been able to understand the gospel the more passion you've been able to grow in your career absolutely absolutely because nothing is it's not just work mm -hmm. anymore there's a there's a purpose behind it. And so, and anything that I'm learning and growing in, even the uncomfortable things for me, when there are issues and problems, now I can realize, oh, you're for me in this. You're sanctifying me through these issues. And so um, you're doing that building process even in me as mm -hmm. I come alongside other people. So yeah, it's, it's transformative work and not just yielding a, a temporal project um, it does impact lives, but it's, you know, hopefully it's doing more eternal stuff in the process. Mm -hmm. so. You mentioned um, beauty, goodness, and truth being the foundation of that metaphor of like transformation, sanctification, being made into a better home, if you're using that word picture. Mm -hmm. um, and beauty is... I think a lot of people, if they're not creative artistically, everyone's creative, but if they aren't um, artistically creative, they kind of just downplay beauty. Like it's not a big um, necessary thing to life. It's like a surplus or an extra that's not um, detrimental to functioning. But we at this table are creative. And so we have this perspective of like, no, beauty has to go with goodness and truth to make that complete and mm -hmm. you're not going to fully understand the gospel if you don't understand beauty or you're not going to understand the truth and the goodness of the gospel without the beauty of it because we're visual people God designed beauty for us to enjoy um, and so when it comes to our homes and our spaces that we live in and invite other people to have community with us um, beauty is important mm -hmm. and I think that could if you're not a designer per se, maybe you think maybe people think like it's not that big of a deal. Um, so all that to say, like, how does a beautiful and functional res functional space reflect the hospitality of Christ? And why do you think, as humans, are we drawn to beauty? Man, that question, you girls. <laughs> it's oh, deep. Man. It's loaded. <laughs> My mind has been 
spinning. I love that question. And I think, honestly, I could think about this for a really long time. It's it's pretty complex question. Mm -hmm. So good job. <laughs> I don't know um, fully the answer, so I can't wait to yeah. hear it. <laughs> well, I would need more time. Um, but um, to answer, I think, your second question first, I think we're drawn to beauty because scripture says we are created by God for God. And we're image bearers, right? Mm -hmm. So our desire for beauty, it's, it's kind of like a homing device built into us. I think it's meant to send us to what is true and good and truly beautiful, which mm -hmm. is God himself. And any beauty on this earth, right, even on the fallen world, is a gift from a gracious God. But it's a shadow mm -hmm. gift. It's meant to point us to what our souls really long for. So, um, which, you know, God is God as revealed in the person of Christ. But thinking back to the garden, I think, well, God created Adam and Eve and he placed them in this beautiful environment where everything functioned perfectly. And God said it was good. Right. And then we know the narrative of the story is Adam and Eve think they're more wise. They choose self. They choose to rebel against God and then everything is broken, right? It does not function well. They don't function well. Um, that beauty, that image bearing beauty is lost and they're sent out. But that homing device I think is still there. And so mankind just tries to replace it. And our, our, our version of beauty, what the world says is beautiful is distorted. Mm. So the Godhead sends Christ, who is true beauty, not outward form, because Isaiah 53 tells us there was nothing about him that we would desire him, but true, inward, righteous, flourishing. This is what life looks like in humankind. This mm -hmm. is what it should look like. That kind of beauty to live and to die and to reconcile us to God himself. So those who are redeemed, who have experienced that, we have the knowledge of and the, the relationship with beauty himself, you know, this magnificent God. So I think, um, you know, how that translates in the arts as you two are doing in photography and graphic design, but it, it translates to all of life, you know, good plated food and textures and colors and flowers and, you know, it, it's everywhere. And so, bringing that into our home, not in a self-serving way, which you guys have covered well in your various podcasts, but in a God-honoring, others-serving way, it's just, it's redeeming um, the creation. And it's, it's a way of foreshadowing the day when he redeems all things, right? Everything's reconciled and brought um, under him and, and everything's restored and made new. So, um, if we just do it apart from who we are in Christ, then, you know, every, everything is subjective and mm. people have very distorted images of what beauty is. But in its best and first original form, we look at the garden. And so, and we're heading back, right, to um, the new creation as we look at the book of Revelation and what Christ is going to do. So, redeemed people have a great opportunity mm -hmm. to um, image bear God through mm -hmm. beauty and function mm -hmm. and serve other people well. That's what God did for us. So I was reading The Gospel Comes to the House Key by Rosario Butterfield, which 
we'll talk about that eventually on this podcast because it is so powerful and so good. But something that she was talking about, to your point of beauty and function serving the guest, not being self-serving. Because what is the point of beauty if it's just self-serving? Like in that, I feel like culture, Pinterest, Magnolia, Pottery Barn, like all of these visuals of beauty and what the home should look like give us these expectations of like, oh, we have to make our home look like that in order to enjoy ourselves, which isn't bad. But then if you're not using it to serve other people, back to Rosaria Butterfield, she was saying how in this current culture, um, Christians should be expected to be the unwelcome guest of other people. Mm -hmm. Like we are, we're kind of, we should be outcasts in the, you know, anti-Christian culture that we're living in. Um, But at the same time, like, even though we're the unwelcome guest, we should be willing to invite the, basically our enemy into our home. Um, And a lot of times Christians will, instead of doing that, they respond by building their home as a castle, thinking, okay, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Let me just draw the bridge, um, hide away and not let anyone in because, you know, the world is such a scary place and I don't want to let that into my home. So that's a temptation of Christians to make it our sacred space and beautiful space that's functional for our family, but not invite other people in, especially non-believers. Like it can be easy to invite church friends or Christians, but I just thought that castle imagery was so interesting. Well, and that's the, the gospel, right? Is that God comes down and lowers himself to come to his enemy. Mm-hmm and then sacrificially lays down his son's life mm-hmm. and then welcomes us in those who are the least deserving mm-hmm. and gives us everything, mm-hmm. the riches of our inheritance in, in him. And so he doesn't hoard and he doesn't keep it to himself. And yeah, he was completely sacrificial in the way that he put down the drawbridge, which mm-hmm. was Christ himself. and. Mm. And, you know, from God to man, mm-hmm. so that we would have access to Him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when we know we have it, I mean, even when you're saying that's convicting to me, you know, when we, well, the more you know what you have in Christ, then the more generosity of spirit and, you know, sacrifice, because we've been given everything, we owe Him everything. And mm-hmm. so it should just be a delight, you know, like, wow, I get to do. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, how does beauty and function work together in how you design spaces? I mean, if it's just beautiful, that's not really mm-hmm. helpful if it's not right. functional. Right. Well, it's interesting because clients, uh, well, even people who don't understand design, they think you're usually decorating. Mm. And <laughs> that I, word. <laughs> I know. And I, always, I, I don't know why, but the example comes to my mind. Well, what's the difference between decorating a ship and and designing functionally how 3,000 people will sleep on a ship? That's two different things. So um, beauty in and of itself that doesn't serve people. Function is it practically serves people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we took this wall out of our home years ago, it's the same footprint of a smaller home, and yet it served people well because they could sit in our living room and talk to us, talk to me in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So you communicate better. You 
you feel like they're included. You're, you know, there's just like, it's endless, but yeah. they, they have to go together. And I usually tell clients, don't worry about the beauty part. That's actually very simple. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, we have to make it function well mm -hmm. for you. So um, there's a thing in design that's a mantra that says form follows function. Um, the function has to come first. And, um, you know, going back to the garden again, it wasn't just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mankind worked. They were in relationship with God. It worked. And then, you know, when they went off on their own, it no longer worked. And so, yeah, they, they're not, they're kind of inseparable. Mm -hmm. one, one serves the other. Mm -hmm. So beauty and function going together is super important. And as being image bearers, what are some simple tips you have for anyone wanting to make their home feel more inviting and hospitable? Especially people that don't call themselves designers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually woke up in the middle of the night last night and I thought of perhaps a simple way for people to think about this. Um, I was thinking about our five senses Mm -hmm. and anyone can approach like how would you serve someone through the five senses so sight hearing taste touch and smell that's what a whole person right we have people who are physically challenged in some of those things but um, simple tips for example that serve a person's senses what does a guest see when they enter your space mm -hmm. and so very simply like I'm going to just give you a couple of simple things. Furniture, if a chair or a, a sofa is facing the entry to the room, it's a way of inviting people in mm -hmm. to come and sit with me, right? Whereas if the back is to you, it's like, <laughs> right? Um, offering your guests, you know, the most comfortable chair. And if that's readily, if that's the one, especially, then it just kind of, you know, draws them in. Uh, including color and comfort. We talked about this earlier at your event, but with throw pillows, you know, which remem which help remember smaller guests <laughs> who need help <laughs> in order for our feet to comfortably reach the floor. <laughs> but it can serve double duty in serving the sense of, of sight. And then lighting, we've talked about this before. Lighting is key, how people process space, how, how they feel invited in. Um, Flowers, you and I, we love. What kind of lighting? Oh, thank you. Don't, do not buy fluorescent lights. Probably <laughs> <laughs> ah! the doctor's office. Yeah, medical. Yes. Um, this is, feels technical, but by LED. And then on the side of the light bulb box, it actually provides you color temperatures. The most common light bulb color sold in a home improvement store that I'd suggest looking for will have a color temperature of 3000. And the higher the number, the more sterile the light, the more blue the light. I believe the home improvement stores call that daylight. And that sounds nice, but that's really like gloomy um, blue light. So it makes a difference how people feel, even if they can't consciously identify what is bothering them in the mm -hmm. space, we're made to respond to space. Um, and then, you know, flowers, we enjoy using flowers. Um, I never buy prearranged flowers because that increases the cost. Mm -hmm. um, but even a singular flower, like a happy bunch of Gerber daisies, right, is just cheerful. Mm -hmm. So, um, so sight is, um, 
furniture, lighting, flowers. What is a guest here? Um, it's, it, you want to hear each other well. So this sort of like, who are we serving your grandparents, right? It's harder to hear. And so being sitting in the proximity, um, is really important. Um, keeping background music to a level that serves the guests that you have. Um, what does a guest taste? You guys have talked about, I think, food allergies before and keeping those in mind. But even remembering, this doesn't sound like design, but it is, even remembering a favorite food or a beverage can go a long way in serving a guest okay. and being hospitable. What does a guest smell? Um, sometimes you feel like, well, the least expensive thing I could do would be to have a sweet smelling um, candle or something, but having allergies, <laughs> we know that that presents challenges. So, you know, uh, an element even as simple as they smell cookies baking when they walk in, that's an inexpensive way. It's not a design element for, per se, but it serves the whole person, the, the, the five senses. You're designing an experience. You're designing, there you go. You're designing <laughs> an experience. Um, and then, you know, just even thinking of environmental challenges and allergies, like strong smelling flowers or aromatherapies or candles, things like that. Then what does a guest touch, right? Could even say what touches them. So keeping in mind physical challenges, putting an older person like in a very soft chair that's very difficult to come out of, that's mm -hmm. actually not serving them well. You might even offer them a choice of seating, mm -hmm. you know, what's best for them. Recently, when planning a, a ministry meeting for church, I was thinking, oh, it'd be so great to have this meeting outside. But remembering that one person that I know of has very strong allergies to mosquito bites. And for whatever reason, we've been having those. So um, not a good idea, mm -hmm. right? It's not hospitable. So. Again, those feel like tips, well, they're, they're kind of bleed out into this broad spectrum, but I think it's just helpful that, you know, you just think of those senses. And then I think for, for an or, ordinary person who would say, well, I don't know design, but, but you know what, what can feed those senses and so mm -hmm. that can help. And then my last thing on that is whatever you do have, don't treat it as though it's more valuable than your guest whether it's the flooring or a side table mm. or, you know, if we, the less resources we have, sometimes when we splurge and we get that little thing and then it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, um, but our stuff, quote unquote, is given by Christ to be used in the service of people. So the hospitality of, of Christ will never ask people to serve our stuff. Mm. And so it can be very simple ways that we serve them through the things that we have, um, but just, you know, keeping that in mind that we're, which I think is why the five senses maybe helps is mm -hmm. it helps us different people have challenges, different areas, you know, and so we can really serve people by thinking about them, particularly in what might serve them well. So that's like last night with, mm -hmm. you want to share that story real quick? Oh, we just had a family here and um, I was just, we, we had the whole family here, including young children, and um, I am one who I just don't like you to use paper and plastic, <laughs> and even with children coming, I was like, well, that's no different, you know? I remember being relegated to the kids' table and not getting to use the good stuff, so I was like, no, we're, we're just gonna do this, and then um, to have your dad tell me this morning that one of the little um, girls was just, when she saw that 
Mackenzie was taking out the glass cups for ice cream was like, we get to use the real, the real stuff. <laughs> and that just totally blessed me this morning because I thought, you know what, that, that actually could be a memory yeah. that serves her a long time mm -hmm. and she won't forget. And that's, that's to the glory of God. Like that mm -hmm. values a little person um, which, you know, was just something we would normally do. Mm -hmm. It's not like it was this extraordinary sacrifice, but yeah, the impact, that was pretty sweet. Think, <laughs> ah, there you go. That's Pull out the good stuff. Pull out the good why stuff. Ha why, why have it if you're not going to use it? Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, last but not least, I feel like you've already been such an encouragement. But, specifically to women, mine and Bella's age, younger generation of people that have limited resources, um, not a big remodel budget, how would you encourage us to create a space, design a space that is warm and hospitable? Yeah, we have talked kind of around that. Um, I think in your other podcasts, you guys have addressed that too mm -hmm. with um, just welcoming people into your space. I think very simply kind of to finish this up is um, I would just hugely encourage um, hosts, your friends, to stay rooted in your primary purpose and not get distracted by the amount of financial resources you do or don't have. And the thought that came to me, um, actually even this morning, was that remember that we never sit down at the table with mere mortals. Hmm. Uh, we are always inviting people with eternal souls to a temporal table. And so it doesn't cost money to feed another person's soul for the evening. And by that, I don't mean that you're always having this gospel conversation because even laughter mm -hmm. feeds a person's soul. You guys are experts at that, right? <laughs> um, but laughter is not a human invention, right? It's, a, it's an aspect of God's good creation and it's a reflection of his joy, mm -hmm. right? Laughter around good things. So. Christ is the one who uses it to bless other people, and ultimately, he's infinitely rich in resources to do that through us, even if we feel like that little thing that we did or that we offered was insignificant. So um, I would just say keep the main thing the main thing. It's not about the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's about serving the guest in body, soul, and spirit. And it will change in various seasons. Mm -hmm. You can be older and not have as many resources at times. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if, if, a, if a glass cup can make a difference mm -hmm. so that even a child can express that, then I'm thinking that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot because it's, it's Christ who's, it's the hospitality of Christ through us that will bless people mm -hmm. for long, long, you know, long remembrance um, and impact change. Yeah. And so, yeah, just keep the main thing, the main thing. Wow. So good. Oh my goodness. Um, so this will be kind of like our final question that this is a part of a new segment that we're starting to do in season two that we ask all of our guests is because the podcast is called Always Invited. What is the most impactful invitation you have ever received? Well, I, I, I'm not going to say a specific one, but I was, when you asked me this yesterday, I was just even thinking, 
I think it's been the times where we have been surprised by the invitation, mm-hmm. where to be included, was like, us? Mm-hmm. Really? Like, yeah. you're inviting us? So I think it's the element of surprise, mm-hmm. whether it's it was a wedding or whether it was even an evening, mm-hmm. and you thought you were part of a group and you realized, oh, we're Hand not. Selected. We're, <laughs> we're just like, no, chosen to be with. And so mm-hmm. that was pretty special. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Peters, the queen, for joining <laughs> us on our first episode of season two. It was a pleasure to have you. I feel so encouraged and challenged. Yeah. Just designing a space with intentionality and all the parallels that go along with that and just going in and how Christ has come into our lives and made everything brand new. Mm-hmm. So, Amen. Thank and you. if you're in an apartment, a home, a mansion, a bedroom. Literally, you could practice those five sense things mm-hmm. that you talked about mm-hmm. sight, smell, hearing, touching, Taste. tasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got them. <laughs> so, well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us on our first episode of this new season of the Always Invited podcast. We hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember,